0: right. you ever been driving down the road and you realize that over the course of however long you're slowly drifting further and further to the left or to the right unless you correct the wheel? Uh, have you ever been driving and, and you realize that you're really having to overcompensate on this steering wheel to make sure that you are staying straight on the road and for some reason, it's just pulling a little bit to the left, or, or maybe it's pulling a little bit to the right, and you really don't, it just happens all of a sudden, it's not something that you realize, you know, over a long period of time, that this is something that's been going on, it's just one day you realize, my arms are tired, having to overcompensate this steering wheel from going left to right, slowly drifting to the left or to the right, I've actually had my arms get tired, maybe I'm just weak. I've had my arms get tired on a long road trip having to overcompensate on a steering wheel for this drift. When this happens, it's because you've gone too many miles on those tires without having an alignment. Without aligning the wheels, you've gone too long. And over time, as you drive and as you go down the road and as you travel and go on all the little adventures you go through in life, Over time, those wheels are going to lose their alignment. I don't care what kind of car you have. I don't care what kind of wheels you have for. I don't care. At some point, you're going to have to get your wheels aligned again. Because over time, the angle of your wheels start to shift and start to change and start to wear out certain parts of the tire leave other parts of the tire not worn out think about as you drive all the potholes you may hit or if you're a bad driver all the curbs you may hit or all the debris you may hit or all the different you know i live on a gravel road so i can't even start talking about the damage to my tires right we all have damage that gets done to our tire over time when that happens it's time to get a realignment and so you break down and you take your car to the shop, right? You take your car to the shop and they're going to take those wheels and they're going to rotate and they're going to balance them. They're going to align those tires. But to do this, they have to use this machine. This machine is going to measure the angle of your wheels and make sure that it is aligned. And this machine is going to cal- uh, calculate those angles. Okay, it's going to compare those angles to what the manufacturer said it should be, the specifications that were originally given in the factory. And so they're going to compare those angles, and this technician is going to be in charge of taking that information and making whatever necessary adjustments are needed. And to be technical, they're going to be changing the camber and the caster and the toe of the tire, these different angles, as needed and then once they do that you're on your way again you're on your way down you know life's highway and you're just enjoying the ride because you're not having to overcompensate the steering wheel to stay straight that car sure enough is just gliding down the highway gliding down the interstate without any drifting to the left or to the right i want you to hold on to that thought as we begin our study tonight we're going to be continuing our study of To Be Continued. A study on the restoration movement. In our first two classes thus far, our first two times together have been introducing our minds and our hearts to the idea that the restoration movement matters. The restoration movement matters. And I know there may be some of you here tonight who may think to yourself, why does the restoration movement matter? Couldn't we make better use of our time by talking about maybe what's going on today? Or maybe could we make better use of the time studying a biblical book? And I'm sure there are plenty of good uses for our time, but I believe with all of my heart that there could not be maybe a better time for us to talk about the restoration movement. in the day and age that we live in, in the atmosphere of Christianity around us, you may be thinking there's something better for us to be talking about, but when we realize how far from the pattern we've come as a world, it's time for us to go back to the basics. It's time for us to challenge ourselves with the realization that the restoration movement isn't something that just happened 200 years ago, hundreds of years ago. It's something that we are challenged to continue ourselves today. Remember in our introduction phase of our class, these are our learning objectives that we are aspiring to. We are going to be engaging all of the history and the writings and and the the figures and, and principles of the movement. We're going to be trying to understand the restoration plea. Uh, we're going to be trying to appreciate and, and to provide a greater appreciation for restoration theology itself. Challenging why we are trying those lessons to our life. In the six phases, we are ending phase number one tonight of the introduction of the movement. We are ending phase number one tonight with our lesson nine week together we learned this biblical basis for restoration when we looked at God's Word and we saw that God expects a restoration process to occur whenever things get off track before when 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 Moses told the children of Israel what the restoration process would be he said if you seek the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your soul if you turn to the Lord if you obey the Lord and the Lord is going to take you back. And that's exactly what we saw that night when we looked at Hezekiah and Josiah because they do that exact process, that exact pattern handed down by Moses. We saw that they sought after God with all of their heart and soul. They turned to the Lord and they obeyed Him and they restored the kingdom of Judah back to the faith, back to what God had originally we learned that night if we follow the same process if if we seek the lord if we turn to the lord if we obey the lord then we can restore the church the question is restore it to what restore it to where and that's where we started talking in our second class about the destination for our restoration the destination of our restoration and we saw aspiring for anything less than what God had originally intended for this church we aren't settling for the 60's and 70's we aren't settling for the church of Campbell and Stone we, we aren't even settling for the New Testament church because when we reach the st- church God intended for us to be that is when we have reached the destination become the church that god intended for us to be that's when our restoration is complete what is that intention what is the destination that 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 god sets forth well we find in ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27 paul says that he might present her the church that he present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish that's the intent that that's what god intended for his church was was a glorious church a, a church that had no wrinkles or, or spots or, or blemishes or any such thing like that a church that was holy he glorified his name at night with with the question we ended that night with the cliffhanger where where do we start What is the first step in the process? Because I want to restore the church that God intended. Well, I want to take the first step. What's the first step in the process of restoration? Tonight we conclude the first phase of our class, the introduction of the movement, by answering that question. We're going to be answering where we should start. Perhaps, admittedly, there are potentially many different ways that we can start this process. Perhaps there are many different options for us to many different first steps that we could take. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer in the first step of the restoration process, but if you'll bear with me, I think this could be the best way for us to start the restoration movement in our lives. I believe the only way to start this journey that we are going to be embarking on, the only way to start this restoration process, to start this realignment, is to take the car to the shop. And by car, I mean the church. By the church, and, and, and by the shop, I mean God's Word. Remember when things get out of line, when things get misaligned, when, when, when things are drifting in a way they shouldn't be. With your car. you got to take it to the shop. With the church, you got to take it to God's Word. You know, one of the unbelievable advantages that I think we have tonight is that when we look at God's Word, we don't see it in just parts or pieces or we don't have the limitation of, of not understanding where this is going. We, we, we don't have lim, any limitations. We know the full revelation of God. We know the whole truth. We know the once for all delivered Word that Jude talks about. We don't see it in part. We see it as a whole. And because of that, I believe we can observe things as we read through God's Word. As, as we look at the Scriptures, I think we can observe Different themes that develop all throughout the Bible. These themes that unfold throughout the course of God's Word. And with our time together tonight, I want to engage and, and investigate one of these themes, one, one of these threads that go throughout Scripture. You'll turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're going to be going through a lot of passages tonight as we continue this introduction of, of the movement we are going to be talking about for the next two quarters. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. In verse 32 it says Therefore you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. Okay, so here Moses at the beginning of of Deuteronomy chapter 5, here he is. It's a retelling of the law. He's telling the law again before he goes on and goes on into the next life. He retells the law in Deuteronomy. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he tells them, Do not depart from the law that was commanded to you from the right hand to the left. Do not depart to the right to the left. Continue reading in Deuteronomy chapter 17. Turn over to chapter 17. In chapter 17 in verse 11, it says, According to the sentence of the law in which they instruct you, according to the judgment which they tell you you shall do, you shall not turn aside to the right or to the left from the sentence they pronounce, so here again, Moses, he tells them, whatever this, whatever this command is, do not depart from it, from the right hand or to the left hand. Do not depart or, or drift away to the right or to the left. Look at verse 20, chapter 17, just down your page a little bit. In verse 20 it says, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he turn aside right hand to the left, and that he may prove in the kingdom, he and his children, in the midst of Israel. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 17, twice we see Moses establishing this idea, not apart from the right or to the left. But that's not it. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 28. In Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 14, it says, So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after God and serve them. So here, under the leadership of Moses, the first leader of, of, of Israel, the nation of Israel under the Mosaic Law, we see this leader of God giving example after example, highlighting the importance of not... the. From the commandments, from expectations, from the word of God, whether it be departing to the right or departing to the left. And he says, in order to do this, in order not to go to the right or to the left or to drift from one side to the other, you're going to have to be careful. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 32, we just says, You shall be careful not to depart to the right. It takes care care. It it takes conscientiousness not to depart to the right or to the left. But what does he promise about this in these passages? In all these passages, there's there's a promise that if you don't depart to the right or to the left, if, if you stay on the right path, he says you'll be prosperous in all that you. He said, Your days will will be prolonged on earth, and that you'll be brought to the land of promise. And so, along with this command and this expectation of them not departing to the right or to the left, God gives them a promise. And guess what? Joshua picks up right where Moses left off. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. Turn to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7. God Himself says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law of which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. There it is again. God promising that you will prosper wherever you go if you will not depart to the right or to the left. What does he say in the verse? What does it take not to depart? What does it take not to drift away from God's expectations? Be courageous. It takes courage to do what God's Word says for us to do. It takes someone who is courageous enough To submit themselves to it wholly. To submit themselves to it completely. But that's not where Joshua stops. In Joshua chapter 23, at the end of the book of Joshua, at the end of his life, when when he's about to to go on to the next life, just like Moses, in Joshua chapter 23, in verse 6, Joshua says, Therefore, be courageous. Be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand to the left. So here we have the first two leaders under the Mosaic law of Israel. Moses first, now Joshua. They are telling the people of Israel, the children of Israel, do not depart to the right hand or to the left. And along with that expectation comes promises from God. That they will prosper wherever they go, but that it's going to take courage. And so this expectation from God of not departing to the right or to the left, this expectation continues on in the time of the kings. Turn your Bibles to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22. In 2 Kings 22, and verse 2, it says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Josiah. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago when Josiah restored the kingdom. In order to restore the kingdom, what did Josiah do? What was his first step? What was the first step part of the process of restoring the kingdom it was looking at the situation and realizing have we departed to the right or the left so we need to get back on the right path so what does it say about Josiah it said he did not turn aside to the right or to the left he did all that was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of his life what an amazing example from Josiah in a time where no one else but his great-grandfather Hezekiah was willing to stay on the right path. So just like we saw with Moses and Joshua and, and God himself in Joshua chapter 1 commanding this, not turning aside to the right or left, here we have Josiah doing just the same thing, and we saw how Josiah was rewarded because of it. Turn to the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4 we're going to see another example of this expectation from God. This thread continue throughout the scriptures. This this theme unveiled to us. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 26. It says, Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left remove your feet from evil one more I promise just one more if you'll turn to Isaiah you'll turn to the prophet Isaiah Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21 Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21 Isaiah says your ears shall hear a word behind you saying this is the way walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. What is Isaiah talking about here? What, What does he say? He says, when you decide to take that drift, when you decide to take a right turn or take a left turn, when you conscientiously decide to depart from where God wants you to, this is what's going to happen to you. When you depart from the to the right, to the left, you're going to have people telling you this is the way. They're not going to tell you that you've departed. They're not going to tell you you've gone off the rails. You've gone off track. You've gone away from where God wants you to be. They're not going to tell you that. You know why? It takes courage. Just like Joshua talked. It takes courage to tell someone, you've gone off the path. You've gone off the what God, the way God wants us to go. You've gone off to the right. You've gone off to the left. And you need to get back on the right track. It takes courage to do that. And guess what? Not many people have courage. Not many people are courageous enough to look you in the face and say, Ben, you've gone off the rails. And so instead, what are they going to tell you? Well, Isaiah says they're going to tell you, this is the way. This is the way. This is good enough. This is fine. This, this is all right for you to do. I know it's against what you might have read in that old book, but it's okay. You know, God wants us to be happy. It's all right. Isaiah says they're going to tell you. They're going to hear. You're going to hear words from behind you, almost cheering you on, right? Almost cheering you on, saying, this is the way. Walk in it ultimately it's going to take you to the right hand or the left so you might be saying to yourself tonight all right, all right all right i get it i get it do not depart to the right hand or to the left the lesson's yours have a good night maybe you're seeing all those passages over and over and over and over and you feel like you're beating a dead horse well that's the reason they're there god had to beat that dead horse to get it in the minds of his people God had to say it over and over and over again throughout the centuries to make sure His people understood how important it was not to depart to the right and not to depart to the left, but how are we tonight? How much more divided can we be in Christianity? How much more to the right are there people in Christianity? How much more are there people to the left today in Christianity? How many people are to the right or left when it comes to the church of Christ? Divided. And so as we look at these passages and read over and over and over again, do not depart to the right or to the left. You may get tired of hearing it, but I am going to keep saying it. Because God's Word time and times again tells us the importance. You know, you know what's fascinating to me about this, about all of these examples? I think, I think we've read nine of them. Nine examples of God's Word telling us not to depart to the right and not to depart to the left. You know what's, you know what's fascinating about that to me? What are the four parts of the Old Testament, right? You go back, maybe Craig will make a song about it someday for the BK 520 Well, you think about the four divisions of the Old Testament, right? You think back and and you think about we have books of history, we have books of law, we have books of wisdom, and we have books of prophecy. And you think about those divisions and you you realize that that covers the whole span of, of the 39 books of the Old Testament. You know what's amazing about this theme? Isn't it amazing? about this this thread of Scripture, God saying not to depart to the right or left, happens in every single division, every major phase of the Old Testament. Whether you be reading books of history, there it is. Or maybe you're reading the book of the law, there it is. Or maybe you're reading the books of wisdom, there it is. Or maybe you're reading the prophets, there it is. You know, I think there's something very special about a scriptural theme that you can see in every major division throughout the Old Testament. Every single division throughout that Old Testament, we see this plea. It's a plea. When it gets to nine times, it's a plea at that point. It's a plea not to depart to the right or to the left. Or as some of our restoration leaders would say, keep it between the ditches. Keep it between the ditches. What does that mean? We see on the screen in, in, in front of you, you see this, this, this very narrow road, and we see on each side is a ditch full of water. What is the idea of keeping it in between the ditches? Well, obviously, if you don't keep it in between the ditches, if you go too far to the left, where's it going to wind up? Put you? There he knows. going to put you in the ditch. If you go too far to the right, Where's it going to put you? Put you in the ditch. And so, when it comes to departing to the right or to the left, we understand that it's just better off for us if we will just keep it in between the ditches. If we keep it in between the ditches, we're going to be able to make it to our destination. But if we don't, we're going to be in a wreck, we're going to be in a bad spot, we're going to need help getting out of that ditch. And that's what happens when we depart to the right or to the left. But now that we've read the verses, now that we've taken the time to uh, you know, go throughout the majority of the Old Testament, looking at these different passages and these examples, this thematic thread that we can see and develop throughout the Scripture, what does it mean? You know, it, it's enough to read something over and over and over again. But it's, it's, it's another thing to understand it. It's another another thing to understand what is being said by this. What what does it mean to go to the right or to the left? What does it look like in in real life not to depart to the right or to the left? How can we avoid this today? Again, maybe, maybe I've oversimplified it tonight of what this looks like what the meaning of departing to the right or left is, and if I have, you can correct me afterwards. But I believe when we depart to the right, when we depart to the right, we are taking away from God's Word. We are binding where Scripture has not bound. And when we depart to the left, we are adding to God's Word. We are loosening where God's Word has not loosened. Bear with me as we try to figure this thing out together. Some of It is going to be a little bit difficult for us to keep right on the right path. But just just follow, follow along with me in, in my thought process as we think about this together. When we think about this theme of, of departing to the right or to the left, it's obviously a theme in Scripture, right? I think we've proven that if nothing else tonight. We've proven that God does not want us to depart to the right and He does not want us to depart to the left. But you know what else is a huge thread through Scripture? You know what else is a huge theme through Scripture? It's the idea of adding and taking away. The idea of adding and taking away from God's Word is another thing that we can see all throughout the Scriptures. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Verse 2. It says, You shall not add to the words which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Here we have again, at at the time of Moses, at the beginning of of the Mosaic, at the retelling of it, Moses tells them not only in the chapters we just read earlier where he says do not depart to the right or the left he says do not add or take away he tells them the importance of not adding to God's word or taking away from God's word turn to Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 6 Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 6 here the writer says do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar man what an idea there when we add to god's word when when we add to the words of, of god we are nothing but liars and how many liars do we see each and every day each and every day we see liars on TV. Each and every day we drive by congregations that have been filled with lies. Every single day we talk to people that are completely and miserably lost because of the lies that have been told. To them. They have been lied to all of their life and they've believed the lie. That's what happens. Turn to Revelation chapter 22. This is one that I think we're going to know a little bit bit better. We hear this one more often. In Revelation chapter 22, and verses 18 through 19, John says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written about in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things that are written about in this book. You know, if you were to close your Bible tonight, if you were to close it, close your Bible and look at it. You know, those three commandments are very, very conveniently placed in our Bible. When you think about it, sorry, when you think about it, there's a commandment at the beginning, not to add or take away. There's a commandment in the middle, not to add or take away. And there's a commandment at the end, not to add or take away. You know, when we think about the Revelation one, I think a lot of times we talk about, well, this is just talking about the book of Revelation itself. Well, if we didn't have Deuteronomy and Proverbs, I'd probably agree with you. But I think ultimately when we look at these three examples, God expects that his word never be mutilated. That his word never never be construed or perverted into something else, into man's will. God expects his word to stay exactly how. You know, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, and I don't—I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not to you. But as we think about this departing to the right or to the left, as we think about not adding or taking away, I think if we're going to restore the church to God's intent, it starts. It begins. with... It begins taking all the things that we do in worship, taking it to the shop and investigating if it's right. Investigating if it's still to the specifications that the manufacturer intended. Just like that tire. It starts with us taking everything that that we do in our Christian life and doing that same process. Looking at whether or not this is a departure to the right or to the left or if I have added or if I have taken away in this this realm of my life. It takes congregations to examine what God's will is. It takes a humble person to say to themselves after that, after they get looked at, after they compare themselves to God's Word, after they look at the pattern, it takes a humble person to say, I have erred. I have drifted away from where God wants me to be. It takes a humble eldership to look at themselves and say, we have drifted to the right, we have drifted to the left, and we're going to get right back on the right path where God expects us to be. Just like Joshua said, it takes courage. It takes courage. Tonight, let's think about this. what, what is it? What is meant by the idea of, of drifting to the right? What do we mean when we say we have drifted to the right? I think we all know that there are brethren that on this side look at Scripture and they loosen where God has not loosed. Excuse me, excuse me. They, they bind where God has not bound. We know that there, 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 that there are brethren on this side that have binded where God's Word does not bind. And they take away the permissions that God has allowed us to have. They, they, they take away the expediency that God has instilled within each congregation. They take away even commands that God has given to the church. When God says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, when He tells, when Paul tells the church in Galatia to do good to all, especially to the household of faith these people over here will take that passage and say we can't do good to all because God tells us to do good especially to those who are of the household of saints. So when it comes to taking care of, of, of Christians, when it comes to taking care of those inside the faith, we can take care of them all day long. But when it comes to those outside of the walls, we can't do anything for them. There are people over here that will tell you that will bind where Scripture has not bound. They will even take away permissions and and yes, even commandments for the church to fellowship with one another. And so when we think about drifting to the right, in essence, what we are doing is we are taking away from the Scripture even though God's Word tells us never to add or take away. When we drift to the right, we we are binding where God has not bound. What kind of place does that put us in? When we drift to the right, it's when we take our Bibles and we get out our little, our, our whiteout. You remember whiteout? We don't use that anymore. I hated it. To open it up and get all over the whole paper, ruined. But that's but that's what we do when we when we code to the right. We take out that whiteout and we and we we just white out what we don't want to hear. What does it mean to go to the left? What does it mean to go to the left? You know, when we went to the right, we took away things like. James chapter 1 and verse 27, when James says, pure and undefiled religion in uh, in front of God is this. You take care of the widows and orphans in their distress. Pure and undefiled religion taken into work. Well, what does it mean to go to the left? When we go to the left, we know that there are brethren on this side of us. Brethren who look at Scripture and loosen where God has not loosened. These over here bind where God has not bound. These over here loosen where God has not loosed. And they look at Scripture and they add permissions. They add commands for the church. They look at worship and they say, we can do whatever we want with worship. As long as we have the Spirit, who cares about the truth? on these people over here, as long as we have the truth who cares about the Spirit. But we're over here with the people on the left, and the people on the left are going to tell you, I can do whatever I want to worship. I look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, I sing to sing and make melody in my heart to the Lord. But I'm going to do whatever I want to instead. I'm going to put instruments I know that Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 tells me to sing and make melody in my heart to the Lord, just like Ephesians chapter 5 did, but I'm gonna do whatever in the world I want to do. Because God wants me to be happy and wants me to gain from worship. But at the end of the day, worship was never about me. Worship was never about you. Worship is about God. And so these people over here, they permit instruments and and other things and they they add to what God has not authorized. So what does it mean to drift to the left? When we drift to the left, we add to the Scriptures. Even though we saw those commands never to add and never to take away. When we drift to the left, we, we loosen where God has not loosened this is when we take the bible over here we took the white out over here we get the pen or we get the little pencil uh-huh. Sing and make melody. Yeah. I'm, gonna I'm gonna add a little something else here or a little something else there i'm gonna get my my, my pencil out my two pencil and I'm, I'm i'm just gonna write in what i want it to say want to add whatever in the world i see fit to add that's when we add and when we drift to the left you know what's interesting about whenever you decide i don't know if you've seen this in 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 your time in the church your time maybe someone in your family has drifted to the right or to the left i don't know if you've observed this in, in your time or in your life But you know what happens when you start to drift away from God's Word? When you start to drift away from from the pattern that God's Word reveals to us? You wind up going left and right in every which way. It isn't long before those who were going to the right start to do the things that those who go to the left do. You wind up adding and taking away Whenever you start to drift to the right or to the left. Whether you realize it or not. It's kind of a difficult concept to grasp, but uh, just bear with me. Think about this. Because when we look over here to those on the right and we see that they also add commands. They don't just take away commands. When it comes to benevolence and orphans and widows, they, they don't just take away commands. They add commands. When it comes to church autonomy and how each church is ruled individually by the appointed elders, the shepherds over the local congregation, because they think that they can bind on other congregations as if it's their job to be the church police. These over here refuse to cooperate with anyone else, even in the spreading of God's good news so we can see that these over here on the right they also add but you know what we could just as easily look at over here on the left and say that they also in addition to adding they also take faith because when they go to God's word and they look at the clear teachings, the clear permissions the, the, the clear commandments when it comes to women's roles that's when they take their white out out start to white out what God's Word says. And so we see people on the right and people on the left adding and taking away. The bottom line is we can look at both of them and say, you're doing both of these things. God's Word tells us not to do. The very fact that we can look at them and call them right and left means that they have departed from where God wants them to be you know when we look at the Pharisees the Pharisees bound laws that could not be found in the law of Moses but the Sadducees loosened laws that could be found in the law of Moses anyone lining up to be called either one of those groups does anybody want to be a Pharisee didn't think so Anybody want to be a Sadducee? No. But yet, that's what we are in Christianity today. And there seems to be no in-between between these names. Because when it comes down to it, the church is just like that tire we were talking about at the beginning of class. The Lord's church is just like that tire that whenever it gets out of alignment, Whenever it gets starting to drift to the right or to the left, it's time to get realigned. Whenever it drifts to the right, it's time to go to God's Word and let God get it fixed. And whenever it drifts to the left, it's time to go to God's Word and get it fixed. I went on a canoeing trip with my in-laws and my wife last year. I think it it was either last year or the year before that. First time I'd ever canoed. That wasn't at camp in a race. You know, it was real river. I'm going down this real, I mean, real river. I mean, we were outside for a week, no restrooms. We're in tents on rocks. It was awful, right? If you enjoy that kind of thing, power to you, okay? But it was hot, it was sticky, it was muggy. I loved it because I love my family, and not much else, right? But I, I learned a valuable lesson going down that river. Because as you go down that river, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but, but as you go down that river, to the right there's going to be some offshoots, and to the left there's going to be some offshoots. Here you have the main river. But as you go down that river, there's going to be little, little offshoots here and, and little offshoots there. You know what I learned was best? Every time we decided to be a- adventurous and, and bold, and I was this uneducated person when it came to canoeing, every time we had the boldness and the wherewithal to go off of the main stream it was almost always a mistake. Because the offshoots are are more dangerous, more haphazard, more, more currents, more all these different things going on. More kayakers who think they're better than you. Right? And so you go off the offshoot and you really wish you had never left the mainstream. In fact, when we went off the offshoot one time, we almost tipped the whole thing over along with all of our stuff. And we really wished we had stayed on the main stream. That's what we're talking about. Right? Here we have those on the right. Here we have those on the left. Instead of picking and choosing one of them, I'm going to choose to be where God wants me to be, on the main street. What is that mainstream? Turn to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. In Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16, the Lord Himself says, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Notice what He says. But they said, we will not walk This quarter in our class, we are going to be studying what it takes to hit the mark. We're going to be studying together what it takes not to depart to the right or to depart to the left. We're going to be studying what it takes not to add or take away. We're going to be studying what it takes to stay on the old path where the good way is. Because if we do that, if we do not depart right to the left, if we do not add or take away, if we stay where the old path is, if we do that, God's word promises us that we will prosper. God's word time and time again says, do this and you will prosper in all that you do. God's Word promises us that He will prolong our days and that He will lead us to our land of promise. And we will ultimately find rest for our souls. You know, a lot of times we think just solely about the do not depart, do not depart, do not add or take away, do not add or take away, and we put this burden on ourselves. God's Word puts that burden on us, by the way. But I hope tonight you're not leaving with just that. I hope you're leaving with the promises that God promised. Yes, if you bear this burden, if you are courageous enough to not depart to the right or left, if you are courageous enough not to add or take away, you will find rest for your soul. And we do that. We do these things. Because of what god has promised because we want to prosper because we want our days prolonged because we want to be led to heaven and have rest for our souls yes, before we can do any of that before we can do any of that there's work to be done there is restoration that needs to take place there is There there are lessons that need to be learned. There there is a journey that needs to be had. How did we end up tonight where we are? How did we end up in the place that we are tonight? What, What made the church leave the pattern in the first place? When did they depart to the right or the left? When did they start to add and take away? How did the first church become so unrecognizable Look at the world today. What's the foundation of this movement we're studying? The answer to that is to be Let's go to God in a word of prayer. For your most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for allowing us to come together and to study this portion of your word. It's been a challenging discussion and, and hard concepts to grasp, perhaps, for all of us as we try to understand where we are on this pendulum. Of right or left but Lord I pray that we'll be honest with ourselves and honest with ourselves as a congregation and ask ourselves have we departed to the right or to the left in our life have we added or taken away from your word and your will for our life Lord I pray if there's any of us that that needs to correct that path and seek the old path where the good way is that they will have the courage to do so that we will have the courage to do so as we Throughout this class this quarter. Forgive us when we fail you and when we come up short. Help us to seek you with all of our heart, turn to you, and obey your word. It is in Christ's name.